0: Tyler Corey and man I'm ready to jump right in yeah um today we are this is one of my like all time favorite verses to like talk about um it is psalm 23 actually a chapter not just the verse. yeah um and this is a psalm of David it's talking about um, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want everybody knows that scripture we'll read it in just a minute but I'm really excited to announce the title of this and that is in the presence of my enemies Good. Um, Just the thought of the Lord hosting us mm. in His presence at His table, and all we have to do is show up. Um, I am really excited about this. So uh, I'll go ahead and read the scripture and then we'll start talking about it. Um, we won't read the whole thing. I'm going to jump in at verse number four, just because everybody loves that rap, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow <laughs> of death. <bed. laughs> I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Mm. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My
1: cup overflows.
0: I want to break down that part. That is literally my most favorite portion. Um, And guys, what's so significant about that is um, God being the king, our king, like the end all say all. Every knee will bow to him. The idea of a king in older times was that a king protects his guests at his table. So when a king would take over another nation or a group of people, he would invite the nobles there and they would sit down. um, And it was an ultimate sign of grace and mercy that the king, you know, left those people alive. Um, But he would protect them. And the the point of the king's table was that you were protected at his table. Um, And, uh, you know, we're a place where you were enemies before you are now sitting there in the presence of each other in a place where usually war would consume um, that group of people. And, yeah, I'm I'm really excited to break this down. Um, Corey, how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I,
2: I mean, I absolutely love this scripture. Uh, Psalms 23 is probably one of the most richest scripture chapter verses in all of the Bible, not just the Old Testament, but just all of the Bible, uh, where we just, we get, the The richness of who God is, even going on with verse six it says, "Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the mm-hmm. days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Like, can you imagine that? That that surely that goodness and and mercy follows me all of my life, and that in all of my life that I should dwell in the house of the Lord mm-hmm. forever. Like that is so powerful for us as believers, so powerful for just people to just understand that 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 God has a purpose for us. He he has a calling for us and that that his mercy, that his goodness, the richness of who he is will be with us mm. forever. And that we can dwell in his house. To dwell literally means to abide or to sit and to rest. Mm. So we get to rest inside of the house of the Lord forever. And so that is so, so just powerful and so magnificent. And so, yeah. So just gathering some context about this scripture, I mean, we're looking at it. And even as the portion that you read with uh, verse four, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like this whole purpose of God leading him through and out the valley of the shadow of death, he's saying that I will not have any fear. Uh, for God is with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. They lead me. They take me to places where God is showing me. And so it, it's God leading him through this valley of the shadow of death. God's leading him through the trials and tribulations. He's, he's not delivering him from it. He's leading him through it. Hmm. And I think that's important. He's leading him through it so that he can lead him to the table. Hmm. And it's at the table where he sits before his enemies that were in the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. And so I think it's so important that that as we look at this scripture and this this topic and this conversation that we're having about in the presence of my enemies, that that it's God who's leading him to this place. Mm-hmm. It says, you prepare a table, meaning God prepares a table for me. So it's it's direct. It's personal. It's not just a corporate thing. It's God purposely looking at me, looking at my life, knowing the trials and tribulations I go through, knowing those who are my, considered my enemies. And he's saying, I am the one who's preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemy. And that's so important that we have to have an understanding of this is not something that we are doing, but it's, God who is doing it and that that I think that makes all the difference because if we're doing it it's going to be a lot of hate it's going to be a lot of selfishness Mm -hmm. it's going to be a lot of craziness that's happening because we want to have our own foolishness in our own mind but God is the one who's doing it He is sitting us down at this table for a purpose Mm -hmm. and so I believe that God um, is directing us to um, to first and foremost know and understand who our enemy is Mm -hmm. Um, and to, to understand that the enemy uh, is there on purpose. Yeah. The enemy is teaching us who God is. Let's sit there and think about that. The enemy is teaching us who God is. He's showing us who God is because he's opposing the God that's in us they are opposing the God that is in us. And so God is taking us to a place. And so uh, if we want to to have this place where God is preparing a table before our enemies or in the presence of our enemies, we have to know who the enemy is. Hmm. We have to know the valley of the shadow of death that we're going through. We have to know and understand the tribulations. How, how are you responding to the struggles of life? Hmm. That's an important question that we have to ask ourselves. Yeah. Are we responding to these struggles in an appropriate manner? Look what it says uh, in verse 4. It says, I will fear no evil for you, God, who is with me, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Like God's rod, his staff, that's what a shepherd, yeah. that's what shepherds have. They have a rod and staff, and that, they, that leads the sheep to the place that they need to go but it also protects the sheep. As you were speaking of earlier, it talks about it, the, the, the rod and staff protects the sheep from outside forces. And so it's God who's leading us to this place through the valley of the shadow of death. And he's leading us to a table that he has set and he has made for us in the presence of our enemies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important for us to just have an understanding and it's a greater knowledge that it's God who's doing it. We must understand and know who our enemy is. And we need to know that every single person has an enemy. Hmm. Every single person walking the show has an enemy. And I think that uh, once we identify who that is, or uh, what that is, uh, we're able to combat that better.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I love the idea of God metaphorically battling the enemy, mm-hmm. which is, you know, sitting there at that table. That is war, whether we realize it or not you know, being in that place at the table in the presence of the enemy where the enemy wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. And there's peace. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious that God in that sense is battling the enemy with spoons and you know, plates and bowls. Um, and, you know, I, I have no doubt God has a sense of humor. I mean, he, he battled in Egypt with frogs and pestilence. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's it's incredible what God uses to bring, to bring wage war on the enemy in, in such... Um, such so different terms than what we consider. Um, and I just think,
2: yeah. well, it's, it's, it's a mind game.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a mind game for you to sit across the table from your enemy and dine and to feast. Having, uh, dinner with someone is a very intimate thing. It's a very personal thing. It's a thing that is, um, uh, relational yeah. it's something that is building trust in community that's why it's one of the the, the tenets of faith as Christians um, for the early church it was you, they sat together and they fellowship uh, with one another and they ate and and, and all of that but um, <clears throat> it's so important that to know that it's a mind game yeah this is a mind game that I can sit across my enemy and and God prepares a table for me. And I'm able to sit there and fellowship with them mm-hmm. in the respect of having dinner.
1: Yeah,
2: like that is so crucial, so critical um, for that to take place. And so it's important that we we have an understanding of that. And so a great example of this would be even in the New Testament, where we see Jesus sitting down with his twelve disciples, and this is the Last Supper. We get this scene, this picture of these 13 men around this table and they're breaking bread and they're drinking wine and jesus knows for sure that there's someone there who is going to betray him he knows that the enemy is right there that they're going to betray him and he ends up breaking bread with that person across the table from that person and seeing that person and knowing that this is about to happen uh, where he was about to be betrayed and sold for thirty pieces of silver, and how, in that moment, it was still an intimate time with the the rest of the disciples. And we see Judas gets up from the table and begins to start the process of betraying Jesus, and and it's important that we understand that Jesus had an enemy like ultimately his enemy is satan himself but as he walked on the earth physically his enemy at that moment was judas in that moment it was judas and so it's it's interesting that you know we as we live out our daily lives that uh we all have a judas um that is assigned to us there's a judas there's someone that's In our life, um, they may be friendly with us, they may be somebody we see on a regular basis, but their purpose is to get us uh, off the mark. And that's what they think their purpose is. But little do they know, and little did Judas know, that he was being used Mm -hmm. so that Jesus could fulfill the promise and the prophecy that was set before him. Yeah. And so it's the Judas that are in our lives that gets us to the next place. It's the Judas in our lives that allow us to fulfill the, the calling that God has placed in us. And, and so when I say that we all have a Judas, don't take that as a negative thing. That's a good thing because it gets us to the destiny. It gets us to our destination and to the purpose that God has for us. And so uh, we have to embrace the Judas that are in our life. It's, it's just, it's, it has to be done. And I was thinking um, the other day, I wrote a blog about um, loving our enemies and um, I'm in the process of writing part two of that. But um, some of the notes that I have written down for part two is, listen to this. It says, hatership is necessary in your life so that the gospel may advance in your life. So don't think it is strange to have those who doubt and persecute you. Jesus had the same. your enemy will make room for you. Just keep loving them soon enough the king's table will have a seat with your name on it just so that Jesus and you can dine in the presence of your enemy mm. and i think that's so powerful that we 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 try to be so liked and loved by everybody and that we don't understand that we have to have people in our life to persecute us because that gets us to the next level and it allows us to have even greater uh, faith that allows us to have greater reliance on Jesus, allows us to have even stronger um, belief in who God is because uh, while they're persecuting us, they're drawing us closer to God. Hmm. And so an enemy is good for your uh, relationship with God because it draws you closer to God and it's also good for your destination because it pushes you to fulfill your purpose.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, that's so good. I like how you said that um, it's necessary for us to have a Judas mm-hmm. in our life to, in order for us to advance and get to that next season. Um, and I think that that's something that so many people neglect and we forget in this endless cycle of going through seasons, um, that the end of one season is often met with hardship. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the beginning of another season. Um, that is the beginning of you know, another place where God is like, hey, listen, you're going to have to go through this so that I can get you here. You're going to have to learn this or you're going to have to experience this. And sometimes it's not even for your own benefit. Sometimes Mm. it's for other people's Mm -hmm. benefit. Um, And, you know, a lot of times um, that situation or that hardship or that Judas is someone that could be close to you. It's a situation that you're familiar with or that you're expecting. So you could be right there in the midst of it, not prepared for it um, until it hits you. And then the Lord's like, hey, I'm going to be right there with you through this valley of the shadow. You know, I'm going to be right there with you. Um, and ultimately, it is, you know, continuously leading us to that table. Mm. Um, and we may get up from that table and go, but we are always going back to the table to be in the presence of the Lord and being there in the midst of our enemies, protected by the Father, and just being there, feasting with the Father.
2: Yeah, I think even going back with even in the New Testament, uh, looking also at the life of Stephen and how his enemy um, you know you know Saul was there, who we know know as the uh the great apostle Paul um Saul was there holding the men um uh, coats as they began to stone Stephen, and how even in that um it pushed him forward, even in death, it pushed him forward into God, and I just you know just reading over some of the language that was said, it says that as they were stoning Stephen, he called out and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice and said this. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep.
1: Hmm.
2: Like, he fell asleep. And we go down a few chapters later and we begin to see the conversion of Paul. Hmm. And And how important it was that as Paul, you know, at the time of Saul, as he was looking as this man was dying, how he's telling them, do not hold this against. Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine that, this thinking about that moment and how that the death of Stephen ultimately was helping um, and nourishing the the spirit that would um, fill Saul's life and have this conversion where he converts into Christianity and he's now leading a movement. Wrote two thirds of the New Testament. He's uh, this apostle. He's doing all these great things and and we have this man who now has been led to God. Mm-hmm. Just think about that 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 moment. How the enemy allowed Stephen to be received by God, but even God. Uh, Stephen, before he's dying, saying, hey, don't hold this against them. Don't hold this sin against them. Wow. Like, just imagine the love. You and I, uh, we are called to love our enemies. We're called to, to pray for them. We're called to reach out to them. We're called to just reach them. And it's so powerful to just have this this understanding of knowing who our enemy is. And then, you know, I I, I pray for my enemies, the ones that I know on a constant basis, you know, Lord bless it. Um, and so it's, it's so enriching when you can, when you can bless someone who's done wrong to you,
1: mm-hmm.
2: when you can bless someone who has hurt you, um, that, that to me is the ultimate sign of forgiveness because it's not that I just walked away from the situation, forgave them, but I'm now able to sow into their, ministry into whatever they're doing, their projects, their business, anything like that, I'm able to sow into them. I'm able to bless them. I'm praying for them. I'm uh, hoping that, you know, God restores them and do great things in their life and all that. And so,
1: yeah.
0: So I just want to go back a little bit and go to that moment where Stephen is being stoned. Um, And that moment where the enemy is all around and the Lord causes him to fall asleep. He falls asleep in the presence of his enemy. There's that peace again, that moment where you prepare a feast or you prepare the table for me in the presence of my enemies. And with, with everyone all around Stephen, he is able to have peace and, you know, fall asleep. And like Stephen is dead. guys. <laughs> um, he was stoned. And that is the, you know, Valley of the shadow at that moment, literally of death at that moment. Um, and that is one thing that we all like tend to not think of as often is there will be hardship. There are those moments um, and even though there has been that hardship, you know, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. So we have nothing to be fearful of. He is the host of that moment. He is, he is the host at the table, um, where we are, we are in that peaceful moment. And even though Stephen was in the midst of being stoned, he had enough peace to fall asleep and forgive those who were, who were persecuting him. So at that table was also Saul where he was the enemy and little did Saul know that the Lord was preparing a place for him at the table. Spirit. and Spirit. and Saul, when he was converted to paul and he, he heard the lord speak and he even called him lord like who who are you lord you know there's that moment where he is being pulled to the table and now it is him he is being prepared at the table and he is being comforted and hosted by the lord Spirit. Um, and so often i think there are those moments where where your enemies are there at the table And it kind of goes back to the first episode where sometimes people are watching you. They're Mm. seeing what's happening. And it creates that that space, that launching pad, that ability where you and your example show. And I'm sure Saul remembered that moment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he remembered that moment for the rest of his life. It's good. You know, I'd almost venture to say that in the trials and tribulations that Paul went through in his life, I'd almost be willing to say that thinking back on Stephen, he was encouraged. Mm. And all of those moments, he would remember, you know, I'm sure he heard him saying, Lord, for me. Hmm. and he saw the peace and the love. And when Saul finally had his conversion moment where the Lord knocked him off of his horse, um, you know, it says Ananias wiped away the scales from his eyes, and then at the end, he was baptized, and he ended up serving the Lord. He's one of the most prolific writers in the mm-hmm. Bible today, and had such a huge impact um, on followers of the way of Christianity. And... You know I, I like to think at the end of psalm 23 it says surely goodness and mercy shall fall in all the mm-hmm. days of my life and um, i truly think Paul experience that regardless of of anything else that happened mm-hmm. in his life you know um, pursuing the lord and having been at that table at such a time as that sure. um, to experience that um, yeah. all right everybody we're gonna do something just a little bit different at the end of this episode and we're gonna throw in a little game Tonight's game is rapid fire questions for Corey Gibson. All right, here we go. First question, Corey: nickname your parents used to give you?
2: Uh, Alchemist. All
0: right. Last song you downloaded? Uh, give me my,
2: uh, Stephanie Grepp singer sang My Way Back.
0: Oh, so good. Favorite holiday? Christmas. All right. Elevation or Bethel?
2: Ooh. Uh, right now Bethel because of my boy Dante. Oh, yeah.
0: All right. Judah or Rich?
2: <laughs> Both. <laughs> Judah and Rich.
0: Um, how long does it take for you to get ready in the morning? Mm,
2: depends on where I'm going. If I'm going to work, um, probably 30 minutes, including like shower and clothes. Oh, all, that. all
0: right. On a scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you? 10. All right. Now, what's your Uber rating?
2: Uh. Ooh. Four, I think it's 4.78. Hey, that's
0: not bad. That's not bad. You guys hit them up. Hit him up. Uh, is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers?
2: <sighs> yes and no. Only if they eat and nibble the head first. <laughs> nibble. Yeah. They, if they're just nibbling at the head. That's definitely
1: wrong.
0: If you nibble at anything, that's a little bit <laughs> wrong. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for tonight. Thank you guys for joining us. And we look forward to talking to you guys next time.
1: See you. Bye.